Our Hebrew lesson this morning is from Exodus chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and set up camp in front of Pihaharoth between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal Zephon. You should set up camp in front of it by the sea. And Pharaoh will think to himself, the Israelites are lost and confused in the land. The desert has trapped them. I'll make Pharaoh stubborn and he'll chase them. And I'll gain honor at the expense of Pharaoh and all of his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did exactly that. When Egypt's king was told that the people had run away, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people. They said, what have we done letting Israel go free from their slavery to us? So he sent for his chariot and took his army with him. He took 600 elite chariots and all of Egypt's other chariots with captains on all of them. The Lord made Pharaoh, Egypt's king, stubborn, and he chased the Israelites, who were leaving confidently. The Egyptians, including all of Pharaoh's horse-drawn chariots, his cavalry, his army, chased them and caught up with them as they were camped by the sea. As Pharaoh drew closer, the Israelites looked back and saw the Egyptians marching toward them. The Israelites were terrified. And they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, weren't there enough graves in Egypt that you took us away to die in the desert? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt like this? Didn't we tell you the same thing back in Egypt? Leave us alone. Let us work for the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to work for the Egyptians than to die here in the desert. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. Friends, this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In her book, Rising Strong, Brene Brown says that in the absence of data, we will always make up stories. It's how we are wired. In fact, the need to make up a story, especially when we are hurt, is part of our most primitive survival wiring. Meaning-making is in our biology, and our default is often to come up with a story that makes sense, feels most familiar, and offers us insight into how best to self-protect. So for instance, she says, I am not enough is one of my go-to narratives whenever I am hurt. It's the equivalent of putting on my comfy jeans. They may not be flattering, but they are familiar. When I am in doubt, never enough is always the first explanation I grab. 
Or the blame story is another favorite of mine. She says, if something goes wrong, feels bad, or leaves me feeling too exposed or vulnerable, I want to know whose fault it is. And so I can make up one of those meaning-making stories in a heartbeat. I wonder, what are some of the stories that you and I are tempted to tell ourselves? We might tell ourselves that we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, we're not good-looking enough, we're not talented enough, we're not strong enough, we're not you-fill-in-the-blank enough. We might tell ourselves that we are unworthy of love, because who could ever really love someone like us? Or we might say that so-and-so clearly doesn't like me. I mean, did you see the way she looked at me across the room from above her mask? <laughs> we might tell ourselves that we are the reason something bad happened, that it's all our fault. Or we might tell ourselves that we are the victim, that something or someone else is always to blame. We might tell ourselves that we would be so much happier more fulfilled, more satisfied if we had that car or that relationship, that house, that job, if we lived in that place, because the grass is always greener on the other side, right? But whatever the case, more often than not, these internal dialogues that we have with ourselves are not true. They are based on not fact, but fiction, They are our gut reaction, our internal responses to how we perceive the world around us, and they are almost always honest lies, lies that we are tempted to believe to be true. Well, today we are continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer here at Highland with the words, lead us not into temptation. And I want to argue that temptation at its core is always intertwined with these stories that we are tempted to believe about ourselves and about the world around us. You see, we might think about temptation as only about our behavior, like when we are tempted to do something we know we ought not to do, or when we are tempted to say something we know we shouldn't say. But I would argue that to get to the root of temptation, we have to dig deeper than our behavior because behind every action we take is a story we are telling ourselves to go along with it. So for instance, think about the story I just read from the book of Exodus. The Israelites have just escaped from slavery under Pharaoh in the land of Egypt Except just when they think they are safe and that God has delivered them, they look back to see the Egyptian armies coming after them, and they are absolutely terrified. And so what do they want to do? They immediately want to surrender. I mean, after enduring slavery for years, after praying about this moment by night and day and night and day, in a split second, they are tempted to just turn around and go back to Pharaoh. But at the root of this temptation is the story that they are telling themselves. And they say, Moses, what in the world have you done to us? Don't you know it would have been better for us to be slaves back in Egypt than to die here in the desert? What are you doing? 
Now, you and I know from the outside looking in that this story isn't true. It's not based on fact, but fiction. But from their limited point of view, the grass was way greener back with Pharaoh and slavery than it is here in the wilderness. Interestingly enough, remember that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness too. When he was starving, after he had been fasting for 40 days and nights. And perhaps it's a reminder for us that temptation often comes to us in these wilderness moments. When our resources are few, when we are tired and languishing, when we aren't at 100%, when our way forward has not been made clear, perhaps that's when we are most tempted to believe things that simply are not true, either about ourselves or about others, because we just can't imagine a way forward. And I don't know about you, but I can't help but think that we are all living in this kind of wilderness moment right now. According to a recent article in the Washington Post, the stage of the pandemic that has made us most anxious and afraid actually isn't back when everything was on shutdown and we were all at home. The stage of the pandemic that is making us most anxious is the one we are living right now. People are calling this experience pandemic flux syndrome. Psychologist Amy Cuddy writes that for many people, our brains and bodies are fatigued in part because many of us have been relying on surge capacity to carry us through. Surge capacity is this collection of our adaptive systems, both mental, physical, and emotional, that humans draw on for short-term survival in acutely stressful or emergency situations. But our surge capacity can only keep us going for so long. It's meant to get us through a crisis. It's not meant to carry us over the long haul. Eventually, we deplete our surge capacity and need to take a break so that we can recharge. Now, this summer, it looked like we were about to get that break. And then with the rise of the Delta variant, that moment just vanished. And so many of us are completely depleted right now. Parents, caregivers, healthcare workers, hospital administrators, teachers, the immune compromised, the list goes on and on. So many of us are at the end of our ropes here at the end of 18 months. And I don't know about you all, but the grass sure seems to be a lot greener on pretty much any other side than the one we find ourselves living in right now. At least that's the story that I am tempted to believe. Because I don't know how we are going to find our way out of this. I don't. And yet in these wilderness spaces, when we look back to where we were 18 months ago and wish we could just turn around and go back, and when we say, God, what are you doing? And where are you? Where are you in the middle of this mess? I would like to invite us to imagine God saying to us what God says to the Israelites in their wilderness in Exodus. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see what God will do. You see, Moses urges the Israelites not to give in to the temptation to give up and turn around, but instead to tell themselves a different story. 
and to trust in the God who will deliver them. Because that's the thing. You and I have the capacities to stop for a moment and to tell ourselves a different story. In her TED Talk, Jody Rogers talks about how when we are most afraid, the amygdala in our brains kicks in and it sounds the alarm. It's what immediately begins to tell us, ah, panic, you're in trouble. But she says we have the ability to send a message from the prefrontal cortex of our brains back to the amygdala saying, shh, it's okay. I've got this. It's under control. Just like we exercise the muscles in our bodies, she says, we need to exercise the circuitry in our minds, and I would add, in our souls as well. So that when you and I are tempted to believe the honest lies we tell ourselves, we can stop for a moment and tell ourselves a different story. And that's exactly what Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness. Each time Satan comes to him, Jesus stops for a moment and he tells himself a different story. Even when he is tempted with all the power and satisfaction and wealth in the world, Jesus tells himself a better story about where his true power lies. And so I wonder, what are the stories that we need to be telling ourselves in these tough pandemic days? Friends, when you are tempted to believe otherwise, what are the words that you need to trust to carry you through another day? Because in order for God to deliver us from the temptation to despair each and every day right now, we've got to wake ourselves up and remind ourselves of a better story than the one we see unfolding around us. You know, I also wonder what are the stories that we as Highland Baptist Church need to be telling ourselves too. Because this pandemic flux syndrome is affecting us too. The staff came back from retreat this summer with a whole host of plans for rebuilding love here at Highland this fall. And then slowly in staff meeting week after week, we had to start crossing things off that schedule one after another because of the Delta variant. And the reality is that it's, it's hard to plan for just about anything more than a few weeks out right now. I know for many churches, ours included, it's easy for us to want to turn around and go back because the idea that the grass is always greener on the other side is a narrative that we are tempted to believe too. But Highland family, I firmly believe that our best days are not behind us. That God is with us, carrying us, sustaining us in these very moments. I mean, we have made it through a long interim and a long global pandemic. And God would not have brought us this far to leave us in the wilderness. And God is not finished with us yet either. And one day I believe our history book will name how we emerged from a pandemic, perhaps tired and weary, but with a love that was strong, a love that knit us together even when we were apart from one another, a love that empowered us to continue to show up 
whether it be on Zoom or Facebook or YouTube or in cards and phone calls or in person and on front porches and all kinds of places to be our best selves for and with one another because we need one another right now. A love that challenged us to have courageous conversations, even on Zoom, in ways that were authentic and honest and transformative. A love that inspired us to continue to dream about new ways that God is calling us forward from this corner of Grinstead and Cherokee. And so do not be afraid, Highland. Stand firm and see what God will do. After all, I don't think anyone could have imagined what God would do in the Israelite situation, right? And it's important to remember that while many of us might know the rest of the story here, the Israelites did not. They had no clue about the waters that were getting ready to part right before their eyes. And yet they were called to trust in God anyway, even when the way forward was not clear. Even when it seemed as if their trip to the promised land was canceled because crossing the waters and escaping the Egyptian army seemed completely impossible. Even when the grass seemed so much greener back in Egypt, they were called to stand firm in the wilderness. And the instruction to see what God would do implied that they were to trust that God was going to do something. Brian McLaren says it this way. He says, we hear the call not after the sea has opened, but before. The call comes not after the way is clear, but while it still seems impassable. The call comes not when we have everything figured out and settled and made certain, and not when all obstacles have been removed, but before, when chaos, uncertainty, and turmoil prevail, and when the tumultuous sea shows no signs of parting. Only in that impossible, uncertain, and disruptive place does a new faith in God mysteriously become possible. And so, Highland, may we not give in to the temptation to despair. Instead, may we always tell ourselves a better story, a truer story, a story of a God who delivers God's people in unexpected and unimaginable ways, a story of a God who will not lead us into temptation but continues to deliver us still today. A story of a God whose love is strong and will never, ever, ever let us go. And so let us pray the story of that love together. As Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.